This month, Streaming Things is brought to you by the super patrons, and I'm about to shout them out. Thank you so much to Chester Copperpot, Jade, Jillian Morgan, Aaron Layton, Ghost, Andrew Gray, Casey McCain, Crystal Trujillo, Jen Robinson, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki Newton, Stanton, Valerie, and Will Nash. <laughs> Bow, you shits! The real war isn't between a few squabbling houses. It's between the living and the dead. Winter is coming. Why are all the gods such vicious cunts? Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. I'm the shield that guards the realms of men. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I drink and I know things. You're the worst! In the Seven Kingdoms! Death is the enemy. The first enemy and the last. Dracarys. I am the god of jits and wine. Welcome back. My name is Chris. And I'm Andy. And this is Streaming Things, the first of its name. Long may it rain. We are podcasting live. That's not true. It's recorded <laughs> and edited. <laughs> we are podcasting, though. That is true. A couple of hours before you guys are hearing it. It's live right now. Yeah, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right, damn it. We just finished watching episode nine of The House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel, titled The Green Council. And we are still sans Steve, you will have noticed. And it is uh, the saddest thing that mm-hmm. one could imagine because the two episodes so many things, that Steve man. was not on are perfectly catered <laughs> to Steve's particular brand of coverage. These fucking showrunners knew that Steve wasn't going to be here. And they're like, you know what? This is the irony that we've been waiting for. Let's when, I, go. when I tell you that we finally got to witness a show with a child fight. <laughs> and Dr. Brenner will not be on here to talk about it. I was sick. I made Andy pause it. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Dude. But yes, yeah, so what we do, if you're a new a new listener to the show, this is the penultimate episode. So a lot more people might be tuning in to podcasts. Uh, just know that it's usually a lot better with Steve here if you're yeah. new. Uh, what we do is we we give our overall thoughts on the episode, and then we'll do a play-by-play, a scene-by-scene recap. And after that, we'll do a segment that we call the Dragon Eggs segment. And we talk about, you know, Easter eggs is what it's based on, but it's more like anything that we kind of notice might be pulled from deep Game of Thrones lore, either from the show or the books that we can kind of point to, any kind of differences between Fire and Blood and this episode without going into major spoilers for non-book readers, things like that. Afterward, we'll do our Valyrian Steel segment, which is our top three favorite moments of the episode. Andy and I will enumerate those each. And then finally, we'll cap it all off with the Mummer's Dragon segment. Uh, we, we give a streamy award for the best performance or MVP performance of the episode in each of our own opinion. So let's uh, let's dive right in. We just finished watching the episode. Andy, what did you think of episode nine, The Green Council? I thought it was fantastic, man. I uh, was prepping myself to be a little disappointed because I knew that uh, Rhaenyra and her gang of uh, merry bandits weren't going to be in this episode. And so I showed you a meme before we started of uh, a woman eating, uh, trying to eat a uh, Brussels sprout, yeah. like puking. And, it, and the idea was like Team Black having to go through an entire episode of uh, just the greens. And, uh, no, I thought the episode was great. Uh, obviously, you go in with... Uh, 
really high expectations when it's the penultimate episode of uh, Game of Thrones. Episode nine is always a doozy. And so, you know, some, something big's going to happen. And ha- having read the uh, story that this is based on, we kind of had an idea of what it was going to be, but they also threw some stuff in there that I don't recall from the books. Uh, and so I, m- maybe it's in there and I'm just not remembering it. But anyway, we did get a big badass moment in this episode and it was worth the wait. And I'm uh, really, really, really excited for episode 10. Like typically 10 deals with the fallout of whatever big thing happened in nine, but I feel like we're going to get. Well, that's true in a very real sense mm-hmm. as far as like the King's death. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I know what you mean. Like there was no battle of the bastards. There's no yeah, hard yeah, home yeah. to this. Um, yeah. But uh, episode 10 is uh, based off of the uh, next time on that we got at the end. Typically, we don't watch that. But this time we did. Yeah, Steve wasn't here. So yeah. the kids will play. <laughs> we both just were kind of capping off our notes and no one wanted to reach for the remote, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen next episode. And I am here for it. Yeah, I mean, it was where we had predicted early on and maybe episode one or two, at least in conversation off air. Um where this season would likely end based on reading fire and blood. And it looks that like that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love this episode, but I mean, I'm a shill for house of the dragon and I, I fucking love this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's never been a time where I wasn't so hyped. Um, they made some interesting choices. There's some definite stuff that's not in the books in this episode, but uh, they, uh, even said it was just to have a kind of, uh, Game of Thrones penultimate. Yeah, they knew they had to do moment. something, and they they picked a good one. Oh shit! What do we do? Um, <laughs> this show, uh, this episode rather, was written by Sarah Hess, and it was directed by Claire Kilner, who has also directed episodes four and five. Um, I have long been a supporter of what they've done with the character of Allison Hightower, and as far as um, humanizing her and making her someone worth sympathy. Throughout all of this, uh, the the Fire and Blood books do not do that because they come from, well, Maester Gildane is writing an interpretation of notes uh, of accounts of like Septon Eustace and uh, Mushroom. Mm-hmm. And so, and none of it paints Alicent in any kind of good light whatsoever. But and this so, could have been how it was. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And in fact, this is now the canon, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they've said from the start. The show is how it really went down. Um, cause George Martin himself has a heavy involvement with Ryan Condal, the showrunner and what's going on in these, in, the, in these episodes. Um, so this episode doubles down on that sympathy, sort of in a way on the sympathy of Alicent, um, because she's very, you think just sort of, I felt like they were, they went to great lengths to, uh, paint her in a sympathetic light. Yes. But at the same time, does it work? Uh, because she knows for a fact, trigger warning, she knows for a fact that her son has raped a woman. She yeah. knows the person that he is. And you could make a, a very convincing argument that any sympathy we have for Alicent being hesitant uh, to murder her. Um, what is Rhaenyra's like technical daughter-in-law? Yeah. To murder her daughter-in-law slash best friend slash wannabe lover, whatever you want to interpret it. Um, <laughs> any hesitance to do that or, and, 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 and there any, if you believe that she truly believes that that's what Viserys said on his deathbed mm-hmm. that he wants, uh, which is debatable. Yeah, that's as well. Point. Cause she's a smart lady. So it's like, there was a lot of other shit there. You were choosing to ignore yeah. prince that was promised. You don't have any key info dream. <laughs> what about a dream? It, you know, it, all of that can easily be undone. You could argue by it's like, she, she knows some key things about this oh, yeah. son of hers that she's putting on the throne. Like this still makes her an actively terrible person, a, right? Pretty much a piece of shit, but not making all of the decisions that a piece of shit would. 
Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I've been an ardent supporter of uh, the show's decision and how they paint uh, Allison Hightower as a tragic figure, one mm-hmm. who's been taking in, uh, taken in by the cogs of the machine. Um, and there's an interesting moment in this episode where she blatantly says that she's come to realize that. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that very soon. All that is to say, I thought this episode had some some really high highs. I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, excuse me, and very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> um, and and it's kind of a like uh, not I would not quite a bottle episode, but interestingly bereft of uh, you know Team Black, um, which had gave it its own flavor. That yeah, made sure. it way different than any episode previously for sure. So let's dive right in. Uh, the Green Council opens up. Uh, with the emptiness of the Red Keep, I thought that was some some various establishing shots, I guess you'd call them, mm-hmm. just kind of showing artistically what it's like now that Viserys is dead. Even though it's the dead of night, everybody's really sleeping. But I also thought it was meant to convey like uh, things have changed. Yeah, right? yeah. And, uh, it, it's, and the music is doing a ton of heavy lifting here. Shout out to the sound, the score because it was fucking incredible. Yeah. Ramin Shawadi, uh, man. He's dude. He's a powerhouse. Dude, he, he is so good at building the tension with just light piano. It's, it's fucking incredible. But yeah, it, it's absolutely just setting up like, hey, she, shit's about to go down. And there's like a little boy uh, wandering the the red keep. Uh, and I took that to mean another of the spies that works for Missaria. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's one of the, the worms, little wormlings. It might've even been the same boy that like took the money from Missaria the night that uh, Damon wandered the streets with Rhaenyra and he oh, woke yeah. up hungover. I think it was the same boy. Um, Alicent receives the news um, and it's Talia that tells her her handmaiden, who is also well, no, that wouldn't be the same little boy because it's been years since that. So a little boy would have grown up. True. Maybe yeah. it's his little brother. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Allison received. Well, I think it's meant to be like a, that she has a lot of like little children. Mm-hmm. Minions. Yeah, She's totally like the spider. And Allison receives the news uh, from Talia, her handmaiden, but also Talia is the spy who works for Missaria as well. Um, she says, tell no one. And which Talia's like, absolutely. <laughs> Zero people will be told by me, your grace. Um, and then Allison runs straight to her dad, Otto Hightower, who also hand of the king. And he says, who knows? And Allison's like, nobody really, just my handmaiden. Whoever she told, which is nobody. She said she wouldn't. She said she wouldn't. She's super reliable. Mm-hmm. Also, everybody else in the castle, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, it's, it's looking bad already. And uh, and then and Allison says, he told me last night, Aegon should be king. And Otto's like, fuck yes. <laughs> I was going to say he said that anyway. That is a wonderful lie you just came up with. And she's like, no, he for realsies did. And she's like. He's like, uh-huh. you're Wink. sticking to it. That is phenomenal, my daughter. <laughs> like, he doesn't actually give a fuck. Yeah, no. And it, it's it's delicious to him. that As we find out in the next scene, like, it, it, this was going to happen anyway. Exactly. So, in the next scene, we cut to uh, the small council meeting in the dead of night. Tylen Lannister's like, why the hell are we here at this hour? Uh, they start to plot about how to install Aegon on the throne. The long laid plans, right? That's mm-hmm. what Tylen Lannister says. And Allison is shocked that they've been uh, plotting to uh, usurp the throne with her son for God knows how long mm-hmm. without her knowing. And this is what I mean about the show doubling down um, because they've they've taken pains to make, in my opinion, I can't believe there's listeners out there. There are people that exist that are team green that yeah. think that they have the better claim, which is, just, I don't want to get into it and insult anybody right now. Just know, uh, uh, too long. Don't read, uh, 
That's fucking insane to me. Uh, <laughs> Damon looks pretty dope in that eye patch, but it's not enough. Amond. Or Amond, yes. You wouldn't be at fault for putting the letter in the wrong place. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I give up on the names. Uh, yeah, it don't matter. That, but, that one guy. Amond does look dope. Um, but but yes, it's like they've taken pains to making her what, in my opinion, is like sort of a Walter White uh, progression, right? Like a tragic progression into the dark side or someone who it takes very believable steps towards being a bad person. Are you saying Allison is the one who knocks? She is indeed. <laughs> she is indeed. Whereas, um, you know, in the books, again, it, it's like this Maleficent type character mm-hmm. to me. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. There you go, Steve. Um, but in this episode, they double down and they're like, oh, she did, wasn't aware of this plotting. You know, she's she's and she, she's morally against it. I'm like, interesting, because yeah. at this point, it's almost like, you know, I thought after episode seven, when, it was seven when she stabbed Rainier in the arm. Uh, yes. Looked like they were really fully committed at that point. But then they had that reconciliation in the last episode between Rainier and Allison to kind of mm-hmm. tease the tragedy hey, a bit more. Leave. Right. Um, but anyway, that's what's going on. The entire council, except for Lord Beesbury, is in on this. Jasper Wilde is sitting there like, fuck, yes. Uh, Lord Beesbury speaks up and uh, and Graham McTavish, uh, a.k.a. Harold Westerling, sorry. <laughs> Graham McTavish. <laughs> Lord Commander Harold Westerling looks very uncomfortable as well. But Beesbury speaks up. You know, he's yeah. just been kind of been this doddering old bastard the whole time. But he, he says, look, I'm 67. Motherfuckers, I've known King Viserys longer than any of you. 76. I'm six and 70. Is that what he said? said, Yeah. Oh, okay. My bad. (laughs) I'm a sixth and a seven. That's how I heard it. Uh, I was like, that's a weird way to say 67. He's he's an old man. (laughs) Yeah. He's an old man. He's known King Viserys a long time. He's sir. He's known. He knew King Jaehaerys, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's been around that long. And he's like, and I know he would never do that. A. Uh, and this is all bullshit B in case you guys aren't catching on to that. <laughs> I think you're full of shit and I don't like what you're doing. And then, uh, Kristen Cole in telling him to sit down forcefully <laughs> shatters his skull, breaks his neck. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Those, those little marbles are dangerous, man. That's a work hazard. I didn't like this scene. I love, I love this scene. I didn't like that moment. I didn't either. In the book, his death is much more intentional. At least they, they surmise, mm-hmm. you know, there's one of the accounts that thinks he might be in the black cells. Right. But yeah. it's implied that he was outright openly assassinated for his beliefs. And they made this look like Kristen Cole, Kristen Cole didn't know his own strength. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oopsie. And that, that Works, was, though. that was silly. The only thing I can come up with to make me, uh, cause again, I'm a shill for the show and I have to rationalize it, even things I don't like is that, Kristen Cole intentionally did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just tried to make it look like, you know, oopsie. Yeah. I, I could see, uh, I, I could see that be going either way. Most likely. Yeah. That he did it intentionally. If not intending to kill him, then definitely intending to at least seriously injure him. And I don't know how much I like the scene either, but I do like what it gave us and like the implication of the scene, because then they were like, shut the door. We still got work to do. And they just had to do it with a dead man laying on the table, which is pretty, yeah, they try to somebody, I think it's, uh, Jasper Wilde. I think somebody says we should remove the body of Lord Beesbury and Mm. Otto's like, nobody's leaving this room until we figure it out. And that's his stance throughout the rest of this episode. Right. And so hard lines are drawn. And in fact, as soon as Beesbury's murdered, um, Lord commander Westerling commands Kristen Cole to take off his white cloak and Mm -hmm. disarm himself because he's committed murder of a, of a member of the small council, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's the same one in this situation. Allison is looking on 
horrified. She has a lot more power to stop what's happening than she acts like. And that's where I think a lot of her, um, the sympathy kind of dissipates Yeah, because she's more frozen and, you know, she doesn't take strong moral action, even though she supposedly has these, this moral code, uh, she doesn't take action with it. Right. Yeah. It's right up until it would massively, uh, detract from her strength. That's where she draws the line for her morals. So like if, if she doesn't have Kristen Cole anymore, then she lost a, you know, her queen in the chess game and she, she ain't about to do that. So she's just like, Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a scene later with Rhaenys that makes Allison have an interesting uh, angle as well. But what they're doing with Kristen Cole is really interesting as, as well. Like he, they're painting him to be uh, rabidly angry at Rhaenyra for something that happened 10 years ago. A, but B, obsessed with Allison, mm-hmm. right? Like completely wholeheartedly in love with her. Like that's why he, he's just like a coal smash. Cause yeah. Beesbury said something that he thought was offensive. Cause he even says like, Oh, sorry, I'm just pledged to defend any insult on the queen's honor. And she's like, it wasn't even fucking talking about me. Like <laughs> coal smash. Um, he's definitely the nice guy. Yeah. And like the toxic capital T capital G way. Yeah. And something he says later to Amond pointed to that as well. Um, but Allison has it, has hesitant. She's appalled. Uh, everything just kind of simmers down after that, even though, uh, the Lord commander of the Kingsguard continues to look uncomfortable, but yeah, Grandmaster Orwile, uh, Jasper Wilde, Tylen Lannister, they're all on board with this coup and that's exactly what it is. Um, and uh, Westerling is getting increasingly upset until finally Otto commands the Lord Commander to go assassinate Rhaenyra. Yeah. Like, and takes the, take the Kingsguard and go kill the you know, yeah. the heir apparent. And he's like, ah, okay. And <laughs> takes his cloak off and says, I quit. Yep. Um, I am uh, meant to serve the king. And until there is a king, I have no place here. And uh, he walks out. And I'm glad they let him walk out because I wasn't sure that they would. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I thought that he was super about to fight Kristen Cole and lose. He gives me strong Barristan Selmy vibes and mm-hmm. I'm here for it because yep. I love that man. Old night, even in my old age, I could cut through a lot of you. Mm-hmm. That kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about his prowess with the blade. I don't think it is on par with Barristan Selmy, but, but I mean, his, he's Lord his rigid moral code. Yes. Yeah. He's got to be a good swordsman. Yeah. Sure. But do you think Kristen Cole could take him? Mm. Mm. I'd like to think not, but I bet he could. I hope not. Probably. <laughs> Maybe not in his Kristen's a bad motherfucker, yeah, yeah. even though he's uh, dumb as shit. Uh, and we cut to Helena, and she's sitting in her room. And, and again, nobody knows where Aegon is, and that's where it becomes known. So it cuts to Helena. They're in the, well, I presume is Aegon's bedroom. And uh, is it Allison that's in there? Um, that's in there with, uh, so Allison and Otto go looking for Aegon. Together? Uh, no, so initially it's just uh Oh wait, no, yeah. I think the two of them do go and then Otto leaves and uh then Allison sits down with Helena. Correct. And anyway, Aegon's not in there. That's where Allison that's what Helena says. Uh, that Aegon's not in there. And she says another like prophecy type thing. Mm-hmm. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away is what she's saying. I think to one of her children, mm-hmm. um but or like a wet nurse or something. Yeah, but uh, everything she says is just sounds like you know, neurodi- neurodivergent <laughs> one, but a prophecy. I, I have to pee. You're like, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so interesting there. And uh, there, there's a beast beneath the boards. She says it again. Mm-hmm. What To what do you think she's referring? Uh, it might be the thing that happens later in this episode. Oh, the beast beneath the boards is the, the, dragon, the dragon, Maylis. Yeah, absolutely. 
As a hundred percent. Oh, she saw the prophecy. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah, she foresaw or had an inkling that something crazy was going to go down. If she was just a little more clear. For real. There's a dragon under the floor <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> But even yeah, then, they'd be yeah. like, yeah, this is where we keep the dragons. <laughs> For real, yeah. Shh. <laughs> There's a beast that's not going to be beneath the bones Otto would anymore. be like, why is the woman talking? <laughs> Somewhat, I'm confused. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a bummer because I thought she was alluding to uh, Laris the Clubfoot being a warg. Oh. And being able to, to project his mind to the rats that he, they keep showing. He still could be. And the rats were beneath the boards. And did, she was saying, he's listening. Shh. When she said there's a beast beneath. Did we get a I rat this right. episode? I didn't see a rat this episode. Okay. Scorsese must not have directed it. Watch it again. We'll find out. Uh, and we cut to Otto and he goes to Sir Eric. With an E. And, with an E. And says to find Aegon, uh, remove your white cloak, take only your brother. I don't want anyone to know who you are or what who you're looking for. Um, which he takes to heart then, but not later, which I thought was hilarious <laughs> when he escorts Ray Nice out. He's in full, look at me. I'm a Kingsguard <laughs> armor. And I was like, fucking why bro? It <laughs> drove me nuts. So basically Otto and Alicent are against one another in this next sequence where they're both trying to find Aegon first, whoever holds the actual physical, uh, King, uh, future King that they're trying to, to, to supplant the, the Rhaenyra with has like the kind of power to dictate how it's to be done. And Alicent is trying to in a gelatinous way, stick to her moral code. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to kill Rainier. I'm just going to give her, I'm going to give her a nice house somewhere. So she can go live and I'm going to take everything else she cares about from it. Right. So she wants to be the decider of how things are done. And so does Otto. Uh, who, and Otto has the stance that she doesn't have the strength to do what needs to be done. So this whole, the idea of this whole sequence, the where's Aegon, um, which, which felt a little long, you know, um, like. Sure. Uh, it, yeah, it, but it by the, like the third time it cut back to Eamon and uh, Cole, I yeah. was like, all right, who's going to find uh, where him? Where the fuck is he? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, so the whole point of that was just. I Otto wanted to say, hey, you need to kill Rhaenyra and Rhaenyra or and Alicent wanted to say. Hey, Otto's going to tell you to kill Rhaenyra, but don't. And that that was it. Correct. But, well, I mean, she had all the power up until the point he's anointed. Mm-hmm. And then Aegon has the power over Otto and Alicent, yep. which is what happened with Joffrey when Eddard was killed. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. we, we've seen like best laid plans of the mother. And so she's trying her best. Uh, but anyway, uh, after this scene, so Sir Eric with an E, and I'm going to call the other one Arik, even though there's a slight mispronunciation there just to be able to differentiate between yeah, the totally. two. Um, the next thing we find Rainey's waking up in bed, hearing herself getting locked in and she is in fact locked. And all of the residents of the red keep are kind of locked in their rooms and kept inside until uh, the high towers can make their move. You see Laris kind of creeping around limping, mm-hmm. limping as best he can. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to Alicent um, saying Aegon to be brought to her specifically as well as that's what we were just talking about. Um, Aemond decides to go with Kristen Cole because he knows his creepy brother, uh, better than anyone else is his argument. Right. And Kristen, and this, this is the scene I was talking about earlier. It's a, it's a, there's a moment where Alicent tells Kristen Cole, um, use all of the, all of the strong feelings that you have for me. Yeah. Hesitate as your queen and find him first. Right. And he's like, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Cole smash. And she's like, no, Cole, fine. Yes. 
Because he's apparently dumb is what I'm getting at. No, she's, ab- <laughs> well, that, and she's absolutely like using people's uh, like attraction towards her. And we see it multiple times throughout this episode uh, where she. You know, oh, you, that's how you interpreted it? That she was doing that on purpose? Yeah. Both I, times? I think that she absolutely is like kind of stringing along Kristen a little bit. Mm-hmm. He is a thing for women in power. I could see that, but I don't think that, I didn't picture that there was any purpose to her ex- Exposing her feet on purpose is what you're implying, right? Uh, yeah. Well, so I don't know that it's necessarily. Um, we'll get there in a moment, but that because that's gonna yeah, be a long I'll, talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Al- Allison tells Aegon to be brought to her. Sends Kristen Cole and Aemon goes with him, um, and we go down to the Street of Silk and to Flea Bottom of King's Landing. And uh, apparently, Aegon took Aemon to a whorehouse on his thirteenth birthday. Time get to it get wet. it wet, exactly, <laughs> precisely. Uh, and then this is what I mean, where Kristen Cole comes off as one of those like false feminists, where he's actually quite a freak and, yeah, a, and a creep. He's a super nice guy. Every woman is an image of the mother to be spoken of with reverence. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, yeah. dude. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, yeah, right. And, and what about the time you called Rhaenyra a C-word? Uh-huh. What yep. about that? We ain't forgot. Nobody, people don't forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then the woman, the 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 owner of the particular whorehouse that apparently this is the very one that Aemond was brought to. And she remembers Aemond. She was, she, I think that she, she was, was the, the one. one. That's before uh-huh. her promotion, She's precisely. Like, mm, dang, you got big. <laughs> Maybe he's got like a Podrick vibe. Um <laughs> Uh, he does not frequent the Street of Silk, talking about Aegon. His tastes are more discriminating. Uh, so basically, Aegon, future king, is like a sadistic, serial killer-esque uh, creepo. That's the vibe I got from this immediately. Like, oh, he doesn't like prostitutes. He likes to do way weirder shit. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Uh, we cut back to Otto uh, demanding fealty from the present lords that are in the Red Keep. Either they live there or they're visiting at the time and very unlucky. Only half of them are so kneel. Because remember, every lord in this court, in fact, in this, like, in Westeros, has already sworn fealty to Rhaenyra Targaryen. The realm's delight is what she called in the book. Um, and a couple of them stand up. One says, I'm no oath breaker. Uh, and he, he is of how, and then a woman of House Fell. Uh, says as well that she's staying sworn to the princess. They cart them away, presumably to be executed because it says the king's justice will deal with you, but mm-hmm. perhaps just imprisoned in the black cells. And all the while, uh, Laris the clubfoot looks on. Just hanging out up in the rafters. I guess they just wanted to be very clear, like he sees much, mm-hmm. if not all. Uh, and I like the idea of his character. Like people would ignore him because he's just limping the role, you know, and so he sees more than he should. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, when the people are led away, I don't know if they're initially intentionally dealing with them with the king's justice, but uh, I think he says you'll be dealt with by the king's justice, right? Or is that what he says later to Caswell? I think that might be what he says to Caswell, but specifically, I think that they're showing Laris here because he has Cas- he he keeps an eye on Caswell from then on and sees that he's trying uh, to leave the city right away. And Laris like brings him back. They lingered that. on him because they saw, he saw that Caswell hesitated. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nicely done. Um, he also kind of tries to take a shine to Otto to kind of betraying Alicent and you know, he's, he's for himself. He's the little finger, right? Yeah. So he's for himself. Uh, but anyway, we cut back to Alicent kind of fretting. She's mourning. She's looking out the window whilst the silent sisters, uh, the strangers, handmaidens, uh, prep the body of the king. She picks up his crown, places it kind of lovingly on his body and weeps. Mm-hmm. Um, she did okay. care for King Viserys. And then kind of like, well, I think that she's weeping mostly for like the the lot that she has in life. And she sure. kind of, 
in that same sequence kind of steals herself a little bit for everything that's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Valerian steals herself, one could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Alicent goes to Rhaenice, uh Valerian, and you know, Rhaenys is basically like, ah, you are usurping, you know, <laughs> calls her out on Call immediately. It. <laughs> she's there to seek alliance. She calls her dear cousin, uh, even though she's only her cousin by marriage. I want to point out who her actual cousin mm-hmm. is Rhaenyra. And she tries family. to, um, and I, I don't know if you took this as genuine or not. And that's, I think it's interesting because it's still highly up to interpretation, whether or not you think, like she says, you should have been queen. Yeah. Uh, do you believe that she believes that? And she's being honest with Rainice. She's finally letting that out. Like, hey, I do love my husband, but you should have been queen. Or do you believe that she's wily enough to say that to try to get on her good graces? I think that she thinks she believes it, but she doesn't really. I think that she's saying the words that she thinks she needs to say in order to get what she wants. And again, she's fully bought in as an agent of the patriarchy. She said, Allison says, we do not rule, but we may guide the men that do gently mm-hmm. toward peace. Uh, and Rainice is kind of like, why? First, she says, you're wiser than I believed you to be. And by wise, I think she means like more cunning. Yeah. Well, she says that after um, Allison offers her drift mark, because famously uh, in the previous episode, uh, there is a big hullabaloo about who's going to inherit drift mark. And Allison's just like, that old place, you can have it if, if that's what you want. Right. As long as you're on my side. And with Rainice. Al, a Rhaenyra wouldn't stand a chance because they would have melees, which is what Alicent says in this scene. You know, we need your dragon. And the Navy. But also the entire Navy, yeah. precisely. Um, but then Rhaenys says, and yet you toil still in service to men. You know, you, you desire not to be free, but to make a window in the ward of your prison. Um, and like, have you never thought of sitting on the Iron Throne? And there's a long look where... And I think that that's her calling her out on uh, her cunning, that she's not she's not trying to do things for the good of the realm and to guide men to peace. I think that she, she's become a tool. She is absolutely doing a play for power, and she does that through men. I wonder if this is the moment where she realizes she's been used by Otto, and then she says that to him later, if that's what the, the showrunners and writers were trying to get us to... To see that Rhaenys oh, imparted maybe. something into her in this moment. But she says that it seems to take some effect, but not not enough. Uh, this is when we cut, I think, to the first time, no, the second time, that we see Kristen Cole and Eamon still wandering uh, Flea Bottom looking for Aegon. Uh, Otto meets with Missaria. So I guess I skipped over the part. Where the, where the, the Eric's go to the child fights. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> and they're discussing basically. They're they're saying, uh, is it it's Eric with an E, right? That says he, Aegon's not fit to rule. You know, we've been uh, going along with like his worst impulses because we have to. But- oh, I skipped over a huge section. Yeah, so uh, initially through the eyes of Aemond and Coles, when we see the child fight, they hear a crowd boys fighting uh Arik and eric are there they see that they're there as well um there's a bunch of there's bastards of Aegon, mm-hmm. at least one that they see and aemon is like there's probably a ton of them were they fighting too was he letting his own bastards yeah, fight yeah those kid that kid was like in the little fighting in bit, the little like, like waiting to fight damn Fuck um, little targaryen in there and, and aemon's starting to get pissed about him by the time the sun comes up and he's like he shouldn't even be king he's a fucking douchebag weirdo mm-hmm. and aemon is correct uh, and Eamon looks way less sociopathic in this episode. Yeah. He seems like somebody almost fit to be king. 
Yep. Um, which if, is, if which not with too much of a chip on his shoulder. Like it, it was uh, fitting the way that he was portrayed in this episode where we got to see like the more kingly aspect of him. He's like, my brother should not be the fucking king. I should. I'm not just his hatred of the, you know, team black. Yeah. He's like, I'm the one that trains. I'm the one that flies the biggest dragon in the world. I'm the one that studies history. What the fuck does he do? Yeah. Nothing. But just weird shit. Up to this point with, uh, um, Amond, uh, and to be fair, we mostly got him as a kid. So we haven't gotten to see the adult version of him much, but the adult version that we have seen so far has been kind of sociopathic and, uh, very well, quick, yeah, quick to violence. We just got an evil vibe, but it's mm-hmm. my, it might be the eye patch. I'm being judgy. Yeah. Yeah. You see an eye patch. You typically assume evil for real. Just, it's I not my fault. I've watched too many bond films. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. The past couple years have been a struggle for many of us. When you're struggling like that, it can be easy to focus on all your problems rather than the ways you can solve them. If this sounds familiar to you, maybe a therapist can change your way of thinking to become a better problem solver. Many of you know that my wife and I recently separated and I've been silently struggling through that for a while. I wanted some help dealing with the problems that situation brought, so I gave BetterHelp a try. It was honestly such an easy experience. I answered a brief questionnaire, said what I was looking for in a therapist, and before I knew it, I was paired up with a therapist of my choosing. Together, we are making goals to help get the tools I need to become a better problem solver. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's easy, accessible, and most of all, affordable. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash streaming things. Uh, and then we, we see uh, we're back with Eric and Ark a little bit. They start to bicker. We start to see that they might not be quite uh, on the same page about everything. And then Jane is the woman sent by the one who knows where he is. Right. She says, I know where he is, or at least I was sent by someone who knows the white worm, Masaria, Lady Misery, previously the paramour of Damon Targaryen for anyone who forgot. And then. But she'll only speak, treat with the, the hand of the king. Correct. She, she won't show she them. talk to Otto. She wants to talk to Otto Hightower and all that was very important. I skipped right over it. Lord Alan Caswell is caught trying to flee uh, King's Landing or at least the Red Keep. You know, the mm-hmm. doors are almost open when Laris is the one that catches him. And it was almost 100% to warn the princess. Because remember, Lord Caswell was the first to congratulate Princess Rhaenyra when Joffrey was born. Mm-hmm. He was also the only one to greet Rhaenyra and Damon when they arrived at the Red Keep. So I like how... Uh, the the showrunners have been planting Caswell as a friend to Rhaenyra mm-hmm. throughout this whole season. Um, and then Otto says, good job to Laris. And hey, you've been spending a lot of time with Alicent. And this is the scene I alluded to earlier where he's like, I could spend a lot of time with you too, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Otto's like, don't make me shared. Let me, let me see them feet. Find out <laughs> if we're about to be friends. I love that he's in defeat because he one of his feet doesn't work. Yeah, no, totally. It, it absolutely <laughs> like, tracks. Two good feet. <laughs> it's disgusting, but it's also, you know, fine. I'm not gonna kink shame. I just he 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 does it grossly. Right. I think we're almost there too. I want to talk about the feet for a good while. But so the the Renice and Allison scenes happens after that. And this is when Otto meets with Masaria. Um, she knows where Aegon is. In fact, she she as soon as she heard that the, so what happened was what had happened was Andy mm. 
as soon as her spies told her the king was dead, she already knew Aegon was in King's Landing doing child fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he, she went and kidnapped him and hid him. She told him for his own good, right? Because he seems to be voluntarily hiding under that I was pew. really confused about that. Like, I couldn't tell if he was drunk or hungover or drugged. All of that. And all of that, but also very willingly hiding there because he doesn't want to be king. Yeah. So, like, when he's yanked out, he's like, ah, fuck, you know? Uh, (laughs) I didn't think you'd find me here. I saw your feet poking out, your grace. (laughs) He's dumb as shit. Remember that. It's like, no, I live here now. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with the candles. This is where my mom and Rhaenyra hung out all the time. It was, by the way. I am the beast under the boards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but so she basically, I love this scene. I did not expect this at all. Missaria says to Otto, um, remember it was me who put him there when he's King. There is no power, but what the people allow you to take Missaria represents the people. Mm-hmm. She and wants him to stop allowing child fights. Yeah. In King's Landing. Saying, most importantly, she don't want no more child fights. No, 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 no. She's the Bernie Sanders of Westeros. Mm-hmm. I want to know what Mace. I'm the white bum. <laughs> Trying to give power back to the people. I put my spies all throughout the Red Keep. I took the bus all the way from Fleet Bottom. What do you think about child fights? No, I don't like them. (laughs) Not one bit. Too many one percenters? Too many one percenters watching children fight that Dr. Brenner is bad bad news. I'm telling you. It's bad news. I'm just going to wear my mask and sit in my chair. Wait for all these fights to stop. Steve, I did my best. Once again, asking for your financial support. <laughs> <laughs> I'm once again asking you to remember who put the king there. Uh, and <laughs> Ark and Eric here coughing. And that's how they find Aegon. He's like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> He's basically the Cartman of House Targaryen. That is Aegon the second. And it's the, it's the table thingy. I don't know what it is. It's not a table, but it's not like a, pu- a dais. Uh, it's the, is it a dais? Even? I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Just it, table. The Candle City Circle where Rhaenyra and Allison had that that spectacular moment uh, where they prayed together oh, um, yeah. way back in episode one or two. And uh, he wants his mommy. That's the first thing he says. And then he flees. And uh, it's, it's it's said that Otto wants him outside the city walls, and it is Arik. Just so you guys know, I'm going to be very clear. It is Arik that supports Aegon the Second, and it is Eric that supports Rhaenyra Targaryen. And we find that out very shortly um, because Cole and Aemond confront uh, the Erics immediately, and Kristen Cole and Arik begin to sword fight on the steppy steps. And I started giggling because they're like ta 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 ta, and it's cool. <laughs> and then they separate and chase Aegon. But the way that the stairs are set up, they just meet again immediately on the <laughs> landing. And it was cool in like a um, a swashbuckling sort of way. Like you've seen lots mm-hmm. of cool sword fights on stairs. Yeah, it looked like something out of Hook. But the way that they edited it and shot it, it looked like they didn't know they were going to meet again. Ah, fuck, <laughs> you're here. How did you get here so fast? There's steps on my side as well. <laughs> Uh, and, and Eric just watches the fight the whole time. Kind of pointless design. <laughs> Two sets of steps to get you to the same spot. Stop distracting me. Ching, ching, ching. Uh, and Aemond runs off and tackles Aegon. And they start to kind of have a brotherly fight. Mm-hmm. And Aegon is no match for him physically. He just like spits in his face and, shit and, <laughs> and sneers. And you only got one eye. <laughs> I'm a spitting it. <laughs> yeah, you can't see nothing now. 
He's like, I don't want to be king. I hate duty. I'm not fit for it. And Eamon's like, oh, you're right on all accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going back to mother is basically uh, his stance on that. But Aegon does say, give me a ship and I'll sail away and you'll never see me again. And uh, Damon, or Eamon hesitates. And he's like, hmm, that don't sound like a bad idea. He does, but he doesn't. He's a man of his duty, though. I was just though. saying in the last uh, scene that I kind of think that I should be king, not you. Yeah, a little stabby stab right here and it would all be mm-hmm. solved. But... I, you know, just to compliment Eamon, I think he, he knows what the right thing to do, or at least what the dutiful thing to do is. Mm. Uh, and so even though he does hesitate and Aegon's like giggling and shit while they wrestle, like he's, he's an agent of chaos. <laughs> for right? real. He just, and I want to, he pees with the toilet seat down for sure. 100% has no, and sits on it later, but oh. also, <laughs> <laughs> also doesn't care if anyone else does. I want to dis- dis- discriminate between, uh, Aegon Aeg- the second and Joffrey, right? Joffrey was psychotic and in the, he was sadistic. He, yes. Sadistic coddled by his mother you know, too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas I think Aegon is much different. Like he's received no love from either of his parents. Right. Yeah. His mom clearly hates him and his dad just disregarded him completely. It seems yeah. right. So and I think we see in the coronation scene that he just craves love and attention desperately. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, which is a really cool, complicated character. And I love that idea. like that sequence and we'll get to it then uh, when we get there. But the the sequence in the carriage was so good. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I just thought, yeah, I I also like that element to his character that's added. Uh, Then we get a scene between Allison and Otto and he's basically like, well played. (laughs) You won the game. Cause yeah, uh, she, she got the kid. She has Aegon. Um, and then she says the line I was talking about earlier that I think is so powerful and unique. She says, I wanted whatever you impressed upon me to want, mm-hmm. meaning that she's fully aware that she's been a pawn in Otto Hightower's game this whole time. And I find it interesting to imagine that she kind of came to that conclusion after her conversation with Rhaenice. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's kind of known that all along. Uh, but that's what well, that fully not- dawned on her. Also in the sequence when uh, really just everything that goes on throughout this whole episode between the two of them, but especially uh, in the small council scene where she's like, you've been plotting this shit this entire time. Yeah. And that's Girl. where the kind of anger and defensiveness mm-hmm. kind of bursts. Um, and she says another thing to him that I thought was, was cool. She said, reluctance to murder is not a weakness, right? Uh, what's with this family? Uh, <laughs> Um, and Otto basically calls her out for running, wanting Rhaenyra alive. It's not love of your husband who would not want his daughter harmed. It's, uh, perhaps love of your childhood best friend mm-hmm. that's preventing you from being able to do this. Um, and she says, it doesn't matter. Uh, my son will be anointed at dawn and you know, he's, he'll be King at the I, dragon pit. It's going to be fine. I will send, yeah, everything's what could go wrong mm-hmm. and we will send terms to Rhaenyra and her family. It, it, you know, she won't be here anymore, but we're not going to kill her. Uh, and then Otto just dismissing all power of women at every turn just says, you look so much like your mother in certain lights. Shut up, you little and girl. She, and Alicent scoffs like yeah. Jesus Christ, my guy. Uh, and, like he just doesn't see her as a, a political figure, a powerful figure, someone who could make decisions at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Just a woman. He's not capable of seeing her that way. Um, we cut back to Laris, and this is the scene. Laris and Alicent, he says, hey, uh, I found something. And she's like taking her shoes and her socks off. She well, can- she goes to like get a drink and he's just hanging out in her room. You know, right. I've been waiting on you. Mm-hmm. It took me forever to get here. I would leave, but that would take even longer. Yeah. 
Uh, my you foot seen slides. this foot? Yeah. Takes a minute. <laughs> it's literally my name, Larry's the club foot. They haven't invented roller skates yet. And she's like playing with her little piggies on the table, like stretching them like she's tired or something. And that's her room after all. Like, so that's what you do. It's time to take off your, sh- your, your boots. Well, uh, no, she's, uh, he's withholding information. And so this is a, a trade. Oh, you think that she's she, fully she, aware she that takes he takes off her shoes and puts up her feet and he starts to speak and then he, uh, uh, stops at one point and then she like sighs and then takes off the stockings and now it's bare feet. Um, yeah. And then he imparts that information too. Is It's a trade. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's gross. I, I know that you're into this and he goes full Tarantino. Yeah. Dude. And just masturbates just starts beating off to her feet. Right. And she kind of looks away like, all right, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't catch that part of it. I, I don't know why I thought he was like sneaky jacking. And she, and she was just like, what is that rustling? There, there is a beast beneath the bullets. That, that makes way more sense. Well, at least there's some agency in that. Sure. We don't fault anybody for selling feet pics. That's what, that's what I was getting at when I was saying that she kind of utilizes uh, men's desire of her for her gain. I see. Way. Steve is going to be so sad that there's something he has in common with Alice and Hightower. Because they toes. both sell feet picks. Yeah, nine toes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting development. But he tells her there's a web of spies. And I liked his dialogue here. It was really well written in the Red Keep. Um, and uh, they feed the weaver, right? <laughs> the weaver of the web. And, uh, and I put, Laris has a foot fetish? Question mark. <laughs> he snitches on Talia and suggests killing Masaria as the only course for a solution, though. And then, he, and then I put, he masturbates. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut to everyone waits, contemplates, no one sleeps. Like, there's this sort of montage, much Dark like how the episode. The kind of yeah. Thing. Everybody's all glum and pondering. Well, no one's sleeping. They're all waiting for dawn when the new king will be anointed mm-hmm. before they can make their next move, right? Uh, and it at least shows Rhaenys. Alicent and Otto, probably Aegon. And uh, Aemon. Yeah, yeah, Aegon's. Aemon as well. Aemon's sitting by the fire. I can't remember what Alicent's doing. Yeah, Aegon's like, I don't remember what I'm supposed to be concerned about. Because <laughs> he's just pure id, idiot. Yeah. And the id for idiot. Um, and then Eric, E-R-R-Y-K, <laughs> goes to Rhaenys uh, and stakes his side. Says, hey, princess we have to get out of here so he chooses Rhaenyra over his twin brother and everyone else they walk through a courtyard you see Lord Caswell hanging dead mm-hmm. uh Rainey stops hanging out what's up guys <laughs> Rainey stops to, to to have a long look at the skull of Beleriand the Black Dread which I really liked mm-hmm. um almost as if to say you know our house has fallen so low like this is its great roots mm-hmm. and uh, and they're dead. This is the bones. It'll never be that again. Because uh, of course, this is the the event. But that, also, she's like, I got a dragon right over there. It's a dub. But I don't, I don't like to think that she like forgot she had a dragon. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it more like it will is like a reminder of what is the true power of their house, right? You know, they're, yeah, they're in power strictly because of the dragons, and that's it. And yeah, maybe that was like a. Uh, you, you, it it leans to the scene that we're going to get to later, but essentially, it's just like a. Uh, this can all be undone in a fucking instant with one of these things. Could have been. Uh, it cuts briefly to Masaria's house burning and somebody in a crime hoodie. Uh, I'm yeah, not sure who. who. Just, just a hoodie. It, it looks like Eamon's crime hoodie from before that he models after Damon's crime hoodie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. Damon I don't, just shows up. <laughs> why did I burn that house? It's an arsonist. <laughs> oh, shit. What's going on? <laughs> He's just setting shit on fire. Doesn't know why. Uh, Rhaenys doesn't want to leave without her dragon Maylis. She says, I'm not leaving without him. In fact, 
Uh, and by the way, this is where I put, he's not very sneaky in his armor. Dude. <laughs> Sir Eric, full Kingsguard armor with a sign that says, I am Sir Eric. I'm going to quiet you away. <laughs> no, you are not, sir. You are very obviously a knight of the Kingsguard. out in the full regalia, like, Kingsguard coming through. <laughs> out, don't look at her. Get out of my way. We're, ju- we're just walking here. We are defying the queen. Move away. <laughs> don't tell nobody. Uh, he loses her in the crowd of, of peasants in the street. Uh that are being shuffled along by by men at arms. It's awesome. The the in gold cloaks. They're forcing the crowd to to the dragon pit. Uh, at first, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I just put it together right now. They're forcing them to the dragon pit because they need everybody there to know that Aegon's yeah. going to be king. It's it just, wasn't like a, "Hey, we got this let's big party." Event no, yeah, it was like you're going to be here under a threat of uh, physical. Don't worry about the boards or what might be beneath them. And Rainy smiles when, as the bells toll, she looks up and sees that it's the dragon pit that she's being herded to. And she's like, oh, dope. I was good. I wanted to come here anyway. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're, they cut. There's a great little, I don't I wouldn't call it a montage, but it's, it's awesome. It's, you know, set of, of frames where they're preparing the oils for anointment, the oils of sacrament, um, all the, you know, you just see hands and stuff like that. It's just, it's really beautifully done. Allison and Aegon are, are in the carriage. They cut to the, the carriage scene. And, um, you know, he says, my father never wanted this. Right. And we see the fucking dagger. Mm-hmm. She tells him, yes, he did. He told me last night. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, Aegon should be king. Check out this little knife he gave us. And he's like, no, he fucking didn't. And he starts chuckling and stuff. And he's never received any love or attention. Well, from when his she father. busts out the dagger, he's basically like, don't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get I, the dagger. I, I can stab stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't understand why, why maybe he knew that like, uh, there, there's something special about the dagger. I don't know. He does know how much his father loves the dagger. Right. Um, and I think that was the moment where it kind of was more real to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanted to believe that his dad actually said that. And he was like, don't fucking lie to me. Right. Like mm-hmm. he wants to believe in that moment is how I took it. That Viserys on his deathbed did say, I want Aegon to be king. Um, and then he's, she's telling him, Hey, under no circumstances, can you order the death of Rhaenyra auto, you know, my dad, the hand of the king is going to ask that of you. And he's like, do you love me? Dude, it's so fucked up and creepy. And I love says, that scene so much. Do you imbecile? <laughs> that was her response. She don't love him. No. He's a real piece of shit. And he he, he just wants love. He also wants other things that are bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he's like this tormented, twisted, awful person that wants love and some wants affection in like some disgusting way. But just the 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 circumstance in which that line was delivered was so affecting to me. I loved it. Yeah. And yeah, all of King's Landing gathers to watch in the dragon pit. Otto announces the king's death and the successor. There's like murmurs, but applause. So it's kind of hard to see how the city feels about it because they also kind of feel like on pain of death. They must, must applaud, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, and then we get this long, beautiful set piece of Aegon descending beneath the swords. All these men at arms are raising their swords. Well, they to, don't start to applaud until those guards come in. They're like, yay! yay! <laughs> don't stab me. Uh, and he, there's this long walk underneath like this, you know, whatever, um, brigade of people mm-hmm. s- setting his path. And uh, we were just at a wedding, in fact, where we use sparklers to do <laughs> that very thing. Um <laughs> And then everything quiets down. He gets up to the dais. Septon Eustace is there. We'll talk about that later. Uh, there's a cough in the background. Yeah, and they like even <coughs> acknowledge that in the captions. I thought that was interesting. That was a really good touch that there's like a little cough in the background. Everybody's kind of just hanging out like. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Septon Eustace. I can't see anything. Can you? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? <laughs> Is this where they keep the dragons? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I think there's a beast beneath the boards. Do you think it's a good idea that we're here right now? <laughs> it's probably fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Septon Eustace anoints uh, with the oils and the seven, like talks about the mother, the crone, the stranger, the knight, the smith, or whatever, all that shit. Uh, and the crown of the conqueror himself, the original Aegon, is placed upon his head. It's a dope-ass crown. Uh, he's given the sword Blackfire, or already wearing it, uh, which is Aegon the Conqueror's sword. And Aemond, uh, Aemond, it cuts to Aemond looking on. Allison looks kind of worried. Well, um, like, he like looks to each of them, like looking for affection. Yeah, and, and approval. They, like, you yeah. sure you want me to do this? I'm going to do a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to get real kinky up in here. And, uh, and y- y'all like child fights? Otto says, all of you bear witness to the true heir. And then again, there's some murmurs and then delayed applause and cheers. And then he starts to bask in... The love of the audience. The adoration. That he's never felt before, right? He draws black fire and just basks in it. It's like, me! <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of like that uh, Joaquin Phoenix character from Gladiator. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember, like, why I, he's like the, the He's smarmy whatever, and, you know, uh, it, he finds out that the emperor is going to give power to Maximus and he's the son, the the son of the emperor. And so he hates Maximus for that. He kills his own father. Mm -hmm. He's in love with his sister in that movie. Um, All of that is the premise, not the, what happens by the way. Pretty fitting. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, that's what he reminds me of. It's just some, you're not worthy. And that's why nobody likes you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, But in the middle of all of this, Melis explodes out of the floor, ridden by Rhaenys. Uh, and it's very reminiscent to me of the, um, what's the episode where Cersei blows up the, Septu- the Great the Sept of Baelor? That's the song, but I think it's I The Winds of Winter the- is the name of that episode. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it is The Winds of Winter. Just because there's like a bell that hits this poor peasant in the mm-hmm. street. You know what oh, I mean? Dude, just, he just gets smeared. Because there's <laughs> dozens of common folk that are murdered by this dragon. Right. And I think that's very much intentional. Like this is what house Targaryen in general does to common folk. This Mm -hmm. is what absolute monarchy does to common folk. Missaria is going to be pissed. (laughs) I don't know why you guys all put them in the, (laughs) put them in the dragon pit. It's very dangerous. Um, there's no way that was going to go well. Not at all. And, uh, and how cool was that? Because like they um, designed it in such a way where like it's real dusty from all the stone that's been destroyed, so you can only see like bits of the dragon and like oh, yeah. the tail flailing around and stuff, and people getting smacked. And you get to see some, one person smacked by one of the rocks. For, for some reason, the guards are trying to hold everybody in. Which well, they're is trying to close crazy. the door, to, like don't let the dragon out. Oh, I think is their dumb okay. thinking, in like a Jurassic Park kind of way. Um, which the door is not going to do anything if Melis really wants to get out of there. Right. right. But like, look what happened to the floor, bro. Uh, <laughs> those are some big doors, but so it turns out the dragon pit doesn't do shit. If those well, dragons want to leave. They're gonna. Sure. They, they live there. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not like forced to be there. They're just the dragon keepers. They listen to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're writers as well. And uh, I thought it was interesting though. Some Allison's pretty fucking brave in this scene. Yeah. Uh, she tells Cole to get Helena, who's the child she actually loves. And she she herself protects Aegon. She stands in front of him and he's a weak ass king and he stands behind his mommy. Oh, my God. Don't kill me. Peeking out from her shoulder. Uh, and Rhaenys could have ended the entire conflict in one Dracarys. Mm-hmm. And this is not in the books. 
And so it's yeah, very no. interesting that they had Rainey's do that. And um, she does this like nod before she takes off. It, it, it's interesting. It's kind of like I could have. Uh-huh. And we can presume she's going to gonna, join Rhaenyra on Dragonstone and tell her of this coup. Oh, absolutely. Um, but she decides not to actively murder all of them. Her own moral code. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, Allison, like, you know, steadies herself and closes her eyes, expecting that she's about to go up in flame. And then all we get is a roar. Yeah, a big old roar. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's pretty much it. And then we get more of that fucking gorgeous Ramin Jawadi score as the credits roll. It was mm-hmm. giving me chills. That's part of the reason I stuck around too long and saw the next on, uh, simply because that score was so good. I wanted to keep listening to mm-hmm. it. That's the end of the episode. That brings us to our dragon eggs. Andy, do you have any? Um, I had one, and I don't even know if it's really one or not. But the um, when uh, Cole and uh, Eamon are looking for Aegon, and they go to the streets of Silk, first off, it's one of the whorehouses that inevitably Littlefinger would have owned uh, here in about 200 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a man of... Business, but I wanted to know if that was maybe the house that uh, out, outside of which Eddard and Jamie fight. Remember when uh, Missaria's actual house? No, no, not the house, but the, the whorehouse. The whorehouse could be uh, because uh, Catelyn is being kept there by Littlefinger, and uh, Eddard like you know threatens threatens Littlefinger because of it. But then when he steps outside, uh, it's where. Um, uh, Jamie comes running up. He's all mad that Tyrion has been. Yeah, in the taken. show, they actually fight a little bit. In the books, they don't. Yeah, they fight, and uh, Jamie kills uh, his the man oh, at arms. What's guy. His name? Oh no, he should be remembered. Yeah, for real. If he was dope, he's like the uh, not horsemaster. He's like the son of the horsemaster. Doesn't matter. But I don't know if that's the house or not. No. I thought maybe. it could be. That'd be a really cool touch. We're That'd be super that cool. Is. We're gonna say that it is. Damn it. <laughs> And you said that was your one? That was my one. I just have a couple like deep things. Uh, Amond mentions Yi-T as uh, hyperbole as to somewhere Aegon might be. Just a reminder, Yi-T is a, a, the golden empire of Yi-T is somewhere far east on Essos, like super far, like a shy from Westeros. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that kind of Jory stuff. Jory Castle. Jory. Yeah. Jory was a badass. He was cool. Um, and then fire, the firefly. So, we, we didn't talk about it much before. I didn't even know it was a firefly. I think I called it a beetle or something the first time that we saw it. Oh, on the staff? It's on the uh, Laris, Laris's, Laris's cane. Walking stick. I don't know why they focused in on it so much again here. Um, but it, he doesn't use the sigil of how strong. He kind of has his own personal calling card, and it's mm. this little firefly. Um, so they, they've highlighted it again. But also, uh, Septon Eustace himself was in this episode. Um, it's not for the first time, I don't think, but it's just interesting because he is one of the points of view that oh, Maester Gildane writes. Like, interesting. This is like half of the main source of Fire and Blood is Septon Eustace and his his account of these events. He's doing it, and he ain't happy about it. He's already he's already accounting these events. Damn it! Yep. He's gonna go home and write in his journal. Damn there. We, we don't we don't get to see mushroom, Dear but we get diary. to see fucking Septon Eustace. I find that to be bullshit. Had a crazy day today. <laughs> I wonder if we'll see mushroom in the finale. I do. Mushroom has to be in here at some point. He should have been already. It's but now we get now we got Septon Eustace, mm-hmm. right? Um, anyway, on to our Valyrian Steel segment, our top three favorite moments of this episode. Andy, what is your number three? 
Uh, so my number three is the uh, little moment where Alicent puts the crown on Viserys' corpse and, you know, cries for uh, every everything that's been going on in her life. You know, that guy, uh, one, she's grieving in a way for a husband that I don't know if she necessarily loved but uh, was at least committed to. And she's crying for, uh, you know, her lot in life. But uh, she is um, she's upset about what she is about to have to do because she didn't want to do any of this. And that um, now she feels like, you know, sure it's being forced upon her. And then she like steadies herself in this way. It's like, okay, all right, I'm a bad bitch. Let's go. Mm. It, it, it was just like a really cool little humanizing moment. And I live for those in, in this kind of show because so many big broad stroke things are happening. And when they take the time to just be like, let somebody stand and cry for a second, it's really affecting. hundred percent. Uh, my number three is the moment where Lord Commander Westerling leaves his post in disgust and to, to that was my honorable mention. Yeah. Um, to hold up. I, I just, again, it was strong Barristan Selmy vibes. They send Barristan away and he still is like, fuck you then. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm gonna go find the other queen. Same vibes. And I really, I think Graham McTavish, uh, like upheld that, that rigid moral code. Like you got the sense that he, this is all that he is. His, his, his word is his bond. His oath is his being. Right. And, uh, I just like that scene a lot. It was, uh, the kind of shit that I dig. I wanted um, to see him fight Kristen Cole with the blade of righteousness. I did too, but I was worried he would die in mm. that moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Andy, what is your number two? Uh, my number two is, uh, what's when- a butt thief. Sorry. <laughs> I watched clerks three last night. <laughs> um, my number two is, uh, Allison visiting, uh, Rainey's, um, and, uh, the, you know, coy play for power that she has there where she is, she's spitting facts, you know, that you should have been queen. My husband, he could have been some country Lord. He could have played with his Legos. hundred percent. And you know, the realm would have been better for it. Also, do you want drift Mark? Also, you got my back, right? Um, I thought that Rainey's was really powerful in that moment. She's calling the queen on her bullshit, but she's also, you know, she's pragmatic and she's like, Oh shit, drift Mark. And she called Rainier on her bullshit in the, the, the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, you sent your, my granddaughter to me to soften me. Like she's just, she just tells it like she sees it. Dropping truth bombs left and right. Absolutely. Uh, my number two is the moment between Allison and her father, Otto, when he says, well played. Don't make me say it, Jokers, but well played. Um, I, I just love the fact that she's self-aware, right? That she's been a pawn and uh, almost feels like a rock falling off a cliff at this point. Because uh, it's not really for love of her children, like Cersei, right? That she's doing all this madness. Mm-hmm. She's not like, oh, he's a psycho, but I love him. She's like, he's dumb as shit. I kind of hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's almost- Well, it is in a way- fascinating. For her family because she was told that uh, um, by Otto that if Rhaenyra comes to power that you, are, you and your family are dead. When you said family, it made me clue in on something that I, I took note of earlier. In the discussion, in the moment that you pick for number two, uh, Rhaenys says- uh, you're wiser than I thought you were or something like that. Mm-hmm. Allison Hightower. And she calls her Hightower. Hightower yep. It's not her name anymore, mm-hmm. but she's like, you're not a Targaryen, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's just be clear. Yeah. And I just really like that. Um, but not enough about your moment. I should have picked Andy. Uh, that's all I have to say about mine is yeah. I just like that moment. I think uh, Reese Iphens was incredible in this episode. Just, yeah. just the way his, his vernacular, the cadence of his speech, especially when shouting, uh, at the coronation event, mm-hmm. like the, just the way that he speaks, it was, uh, regal. Yeah. He's, he's perfect for 
being the mouth of the king. I don't know about the hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. It was like a mouth of Sauron reference. I not, get it. Not, I not get what it. you meant. But, you know. Mm. And Andy, is there any chance that we have a different number one? I don't think so. Maylee's exploding from the yeah, floor. The and beast beneath the boards. Rainy. Uh, I can't believe I didn't put that together. It's genius. Was that, it wasn't really boards. It was stone. I guess it was yeah. stones on boards. Yeah. There was some, there was some wood in there. I did see probably. some wood. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it, man. Maylee's just <laughs> my number one was when Larry started beating. Him. <laughs> yeah, his foot fetish, just just jacking it, man. So fucked up. Giving the old five finger discount to his wiener, <laughs> hanging out with Jill, <laughs> <laughs> giving himself the stranger. Um, no, yeah, the the beast beneath the boards is such a powerful moment for Rhaenyra, and could have been a very premature end to uh, everything that was just going down. And God, I wish she had just uttered that word, man. Jacaris. That, that would have been the most powerful Jacaris of all. Time. I think I've only gotten to hear that word once in this show, House of the Dragon. I'm pretty uh, upset is when Nelly Alcock said it. Yeah. And she did it great. Dracaris. Mm-hmm. It was very, <laughs> very Targaryen. I've been doing some Duolingo. Say it again. Dracaris. Yeah. I'm practicing. <laughs> um, yeah. You've been doing some Duolingo? Yeah. Learning what, High Valyrian. What does Dracaris mean then? Is it just fire? Yeah, it's just fire. Oh, cool. It's a long word. Dragon fire. fire. Yeah. Dracaris. But they turned it into a verb. Uh, Andy, what is your mummer's dragon? The person you're giving the MVP award for this episode for their performance. Uh, I am going to give it to the actress that plays Rainey's Eve best Eve best. I think that, uh, it, we got, we got to see her in her hero, hero moment. I thought that, uh, her calling out, uh, Al- the sequence is my number two, uh, calling out Allison on her bullshit, Allison Hightower on her bullshit. Uh, but she's just been like pragmatic and, you know, she's kind of like in a way has like had all the cards and just sort of like biding her time and deciding what she's going to do. And, you know, she, uh, has established, uh, many times throughout this season, like she doesn't want to be queen. She, she doesn't want the throne. She didn't want anything to do with any of it. She wants her kids. She lost them, both of them. And like her husband's dead or dying. Oh, she doesn't know. And uh, she just has all these people that want her for what, for her stuff. They want her stuff. And uh, it it was a really cool sequence to, or really cool episode for her to uh, be put in the place of power that she deserves. She, she could have fucking taken the throne then and there just like, all right, y'all all all dead. This shit's mine. It should have been anyway. It's all about who's got the biggest dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. Or as, all the dragons working together real soon. That, that's part of my sadness is everybody, like, this team green, team black shit. And everybody's like, everybody who is team green, insanely, yeah. they, they've got a point. He's the firstborn son. I'm sorry to say it. I'm not a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Just the way shit Long works in this patriarchy. land. So that's the way things works in this land. And uh, they're right. Like Rhaenyra would probably kill Allison's kids. She's got to do that. To, no, Mm-mm. I don't believe for a second Rhaenyra would ever do that. A and B, they choose to to cause this strife because all oh, the people would never accept uh, a female king. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. They will accept whatever nine dragons tell them to accept. Yeah, Three real. dragons conquered the entire continent. Now they have way more. And if the family was united, they could put a broomstick on the throne and be like, that <laughs> stick is your king. And everybody be like, oh, yes, your grace, the stick. Long live the stick. Long live the stick. First of its name. Um <laughs> Because there's a giant dragon looking at me, right? Sweepy, first of his name. The, the high towers chose this path. That's all the time we have. Wait, hold up. What was your uh, mummer's dragon? I tried to skip past it, I guess. Oh. It was Resiphons. Okay. Uh, I think E-Best is the answer. But I, again, I just think he's so fucking perfect. 
mm-hmm. in this role as Otto Hightower. It was a man that was, um, you know, he's no Tywin Lannister. You can't play it that way. Uh, but he's also, he's very intelligent. He's very good at what he does, but he's a little more smarmy, right? In the sense that you gotta, you gotta remember too, historically, it's important to know where the high towers are coming from, specifically Otto. Before the Targaryens arrived, uh, Old Town was the seat of all power, is where, you know, the, the high septon, the, the religious seat, but also where the king was. Mm-hmm. And they built King's Landing. Aegon the Conqueror built King's Landing. Uh, so he moved the whole capital of Westeros, right? So old ta- high towers used to have a lot more power mm-hmm. in this in this goddamn town. And so there's a lot of rese- anti-Targaryen resentment in general, I think, on the part well, of Otto Hightower. There are also um, extremely religious people. Uh, the, the In um, a fake way, yeah. Like yeah. they're falsely pious because of their proximity to the power of the, yeah, absolutely. They're falsely pious, but also they like, uh, I think it was with uh, King Jaehaerys, like uh, in order to uh, establish except- uh, Targaryen exceptionalism, which is basically law that says Targaryens are allowed to marry each other, but... The rest of the people aren't. They can do incest because they're not technically men. Yeah, yeah. There's something more. But in order to uh, establish that firmly as law, uh, they basically treat with the high towers and they're like, hey, you you guys can be the next grand maester if you guys will adhere to exceptionalism. And so they kind of uh, implanted them on the throne. But a lot of the high towers were also um, firmly – they were uh, part of the like – faith militant that yeah. uh, rose up to against uh, Mangor the cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all I'll say is that, yeah, there's uh, centuries of resentment of uh, the Targaryens going on there. Absolutely. And I think, I think Reese Eifens like embodies that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's all the time we have. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at stream thing pod. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things and get a bunch of extra rewards and episodes and whatnots. A lot of our episodes, 90% or so are on YouTube as videos as well. Um, just search streaming things on YouTube. All the links are in the bio and stuff here. We love you all so much. We love the show so much. My name is Chris. And I'm Andy. This is streaming things. Happy streaming. It's time for the new patron shout outs. Thank you all. Well, guys, I've got great news for you. We have new patrons to thank. Yes. Well, let's give a shout out to the people who joined up and became members of the Streaming Things family this month. First, in the Try Before You Deny uh, section, we have Stanton and Valerie. Stanton and Valerie, man. Thank you so much. And never forget, (laughs) just try before you deny, man. Our new Marty B VIP producers include Ryan Bigger, Maggie, HHS Teacher, Hailey mm-hmm. B, Abby Volmer, Florida Josh, Christopher Corelli, and Alex. Florida Josh, are you the man that all those articles have been written about? Next up, we have our chocolate pudding producers. We have Tile, Jillian Sloan, Alex Lembeck, Jennifer Lynn Isvan, Lauren Hartzier. Morgan Quimby, Ryan J. Poole, Misa McDaniel. <laughs> Is that like a Jar Jar Binks thing? Yeah, Misa McDaniel. Misa uh, give you some. <laughs> the planet core. Uh, Erica Swanson, Courtney Kilpack, Michelle, Katie, Joe Velez, Barry, Jenna, Melanie Bordelone, Alicia Martinez, Isis, Amy S., and Jennifer Hardy. <laughs> 
It's not that ISIS. <laughs> we also have some Friends Don't Lie producers that join this month. That is Claire Cumming Herrero and Jenna. And then we cannot forget the people who upgraded the Patreon. So these are, these are people who were at lower tiers and decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to shoot for the distance. I'm going to I'm going to make it rain. Tier. I'm going for speed. Yeah, they got one of those little guns that shoot dollar bills and they just like mm-hmm. shot it right all over us. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, upgrading to the tribe before you deny tier. We have ghost uh, upgrading to the Marty B VIP section because they knew it was so cool. There's a Nina in there. We've got Maria, Ali Awald, Rachel Malloy and Tony Dare. I, Tony, dare you guys to upgrade further. Well, <laughs> well, one person took you up on that. They upgraded to the chocolate pudding tier, and that is Jenna. Jenna, welcome oh, and Jenna. Thank, you. thank you. You have found the chocolate pudding. Much uh, and keep it going, man. Just keep it, stay in the family. We need you here. 